0: I think even there's work to be done probably a year before you even decide raising to ensure you have the right people and processes and systems in place to support a large fundraise. So, you know, hiring and having a really good team that can help you through the process and that you have confidence in the material they're going to put together, ensuring that your systems that you have in place are reliable and are generating good data that can help to put reports together and be able to tell your story as a company. And then really pulling that all together and understanding that story of what it is that that makes your company valuable and why people should be excited about it.
1: This is Retained Learnings, a podcast where Canadian finance leaders share strategic advice and potential solutions to answer some of the finance department's most important questions. I'm your host, Rob Kazam, the founder and CEO of Float. Thanks for listening. And I hope you learned something from today's episode. Finance leaders are well aware that raising capital involves much more than what you read in the press coverage when the news is shared publicly. The process can take months and require an entire finance team quarterbacked by the CFO. From early planning to meeting with current investors, producing reports, and creating pitch decks, there are so many tasks to complete before the new capital is added to the company's balance sheet. And unless you've gone through the process before, you probably have a lot of questions about how it all comes together. So in this episode of Retained Learnings, we're joined by Matt Petro, the CFO of Coconut Software, who led the company through a $28 million Series B funding round in September of 2021. Matt shares why Coconut Software was ready for the new financing round and takes us through the process from the perspective of the finance team. Hearing about his experience and the advice he offers will hopefully answer some of your questions and put you on the right path for a future Series B round of your own. All right, Matt, thanks for joining us today and excited to chat. Maybe to start, we'd love to get a a bit of background on yourself.
0: Thanks for having me today, Rob. Really excited to be here. I've been with Coconut Software now for just over three years I joined back in, in 2019 and prior to that spent time in a similar role at a convention center and entertainment facility here in Saskatoon, also spent some time with a publicly traded mining company and then um, worked with uh, Deloitte where I audited and, and gained my CPA there. Um, prior to working at Deloitte, I did my uh, Bachelor's of Commerce in accounting and a Master's in accounting at the Edwards School of Business here in, in Saskatoon. Since being with Coconut. Primarily my role is focused on leading obviously the finance and kind of legal and administrative functions. I also have been overseeing our people and culture team. And since joining, we've seen, you know, a lot of really rapid growth, a lot of excitement and great team and been having, you know, a lot of fun working here.
1: Awesome. Sounds like it's been a, a wide-ranging experience so far. And and for those not familiar with Coconut, what is Coconut? What's the mission behind the company and and what are you all about? Coconut Software is um, a company that sells software that helps financial
0: institutions enhance and improve how they connect with their customers. Our core product is a digital scheduling solution that makes it really easy and frictionless for customers to connect with an advisor, primarily at their bank or credit union. And then we have a, a digital queuing solution that helps manage in-branch traffic. And we recently rolled out a video banking platform to that you know i like to describe kind of like a zoom or a or a microsoft teams but built with features that are specific to the needs of financial institutions
1: so tell us a bit about the series b that coconut did what was the the background for the round and and tell me about how that came together why did that start and when did it start yeah so we raised
0: a 28 million dollar series b back in september of 2021 really the driver behind that raise was um, earlier in the year, we completed, you know, a new three-year plan and really aligned on hitting some some aggressive growth targets and wanting to capitalize on some of the trends in the market. And of course, to do that was going to require a lot of investment, a lot of scaling up the team, bringing on new resources. And so putting the plan together, we saw that we were going to need more capital to do that. That was really the motivator behind deciding, hey, we, you know, we want to raise and really accelerate growth kind of secondary to that too. We're planning to raise, I'd say, later than when we ended up raising. It was planned more for like Q1 of 2022. But just looking ahead, had seen that the market was right. There was likely a correction coming down the pipeline as there was a lot of forecasts around rising interest rates. And so we did actually decide to pull it in six months early, which you know in hindsight ended up being a really good decision.
1: Really, really smart, obviously, uh, given what's going on today in the market. What were the key areas of the business you wanted to invest in? You mentioned increased investment and growth. Could you talk a bit about some of the specific opportunities that you identified for their investment? So really, the two pillars of growth behind the plan were accelerating our our
0: growth and our penetration in the U.S. financial markets. So that accounts in North America for, I believe, it's 95% of the FI markets and the other side was introducing more products to our platform expanding our product and enabling our team to sell sell more to our existing customers and so really with that kind of the major areas that we were looking to invest in with the raise were you know building up our sales team investing more in our marketing team and resources to help fuel kind of the more of that go to market strategy and then the other piece was, of course, the product expansion. So a lot of hiring and investing in, in our product and our engineering teams, as well as bringing on some more senior leaders as we continue scaling to really help bring some expertise from some folks who have been there and done it before.
1: Really interesting. So it sounds like you didn't really go to the market and think for the first time about who you wanted to approach. You, you probably had a good sense of that when you kicked off this whole process.
0: We did. Yeah. So again, that's a little bit different than how others might do it or how kind of the position other, other companies or founders put themselves in when they go to a raise where they're hiring an investment banker to run the process and, and solicit interest. And it's a bit more of a new and first connection at that point, but we'd already, you know, made connections and been, been in conversations with a number of groups that we know when it's time to raise, these are groups that we'd be interested in working with.
1: How many funds or investors did you approach initially? I know that's something I imagine listeners may want to know or could be curious about. Yeah, it's hard to quantify that. Because again, over the couple of years leading up from our, our last round
0: in in 2019, there were so many conversations. But I'd say we probably had it narrowed down to a group of like 10 to 15 that we were really interested in and that we did reconnect with at that point and shared the information and and had conversations around what a a potential partnership could look like.
1: When a company is in a really high growth stage, it can be easy to focus on the day-to-day needs of the business and give less attention to longer-term strategic planning. But as Matt points out, when you're ready to get serious about raising your Series B, investors will be looking for rigorous proof that the business is ready to scale. Preparing for that is a job in and of itself. So you know, presumably you had Series A investors and, and perhaps prior uh, that are a part of Coconut and the the cap table. How involved were they in that process, and how did you bring them along to make the right decision for the business and all the stakeholders involved? Yeah, so they're definitely
0: highly involved in the process. They are part of the approval of the transaction. So, obviously, there's a lot of work that needs to be done to make sure that they're aligned as a team and that they're on board with the plan. So, at the beginning of the process, getting them comfortable with the plan. So, I mentioned, you know, we built that three year plan, they were very involved in that process. The other is aligning on when you're actually talking with investors. Are these good groups to potentially work with? Are the offers they're presenting competitive? Do the terms make sense? Um, and so there's some kind of negotiating and, and positioning that needs to happen there. And I'd say the role I played, and probably most finance leaders would say, is it's really important to be supporting the CEO in that process. Is they're they're really the main connection to the board and the one who has the best relationship with previous investors. So. Setting up for success was really having a good plan in place to begin with, really involving them in the process around what that plan looks like, what the goal and the out- like expected outcome are for the raise. And then when it comes to actually collecting offers, involving them in that process, and another way to help set up for success there too is is asking your current investors, you know, do you have any others who are good Series B investors that you'd recommend we meet with or that they'd be interested in meeting with us and potentially looking at partnering? So that's another way to involve them and get helpful input from them as well.
1: What was the criteria or sort of philosophy that you took about picking the right partner? And what would you suggest for people that might be looking at a financing and you know what advice would you give them? It's a really good question, and I think one that takes a lot
0: of, I guess, understanding upfront. What it is that that a founder, that a you know a management team is looking for in a partner. Some of the things we talked about as a team are looking for an investor who has expertise in our space. So you know we're a B two B primarily enterprise SaaS company. So finding investors who have experience with that type of business model and have had previous companies be successful on scale and grow to large large successful companies that shows a good track record another is are they connected at all with the customer base that you're selling into so our target segment is to sell to primarily the financial vertical and so that was another thing that we valued a lot in our conversations was either has this investor work with other fintech companies or co- you know companies selling into the financial space or do they have connections to To potential customers, can they make introductions there? And then another really valuable thing that set some apart from others is what in house resources do they provide or what connections do they have to advisors, either from other portfolio companies or just other folks in their network? And then what sort of resources do they offer to help a scaling company? Some investors will offer in house recruiting, which, obviously, given kind of the state of the talent market and how competitive it is, that's a really really valuable resource if you can have the help of a really talented connected recruiter for very low or no cost. The most important thing, and it's probably easy to overlook this as the as the offers are flying in fast and furious, is making sure that it's someone that you will enjoy spending time with because it's almost like a marriage, really, that you're finding someone that you're going to be spending a lot of time with, a lot of calls, working through a lot of ups and downs. And so it needs to be someone that you're going to partner with who you're going to enjoy kind of having along for the adventure. And so there's value in that and in all these things that I just mentioned outside of just who gives you the, the best term sheet and the highest dollar valuation and those sorts of things.
1: So Matt, what are some of the key metrics that potential investors we're most interested in when you went through the series b process kind of the first metric they're going to look at to get excited about your business
0: is your recurring revenue numbers and the growth that you've been seeing so you know if you're a monthly revenue customer they're going to want to understand mrr if you're an annual subscription model they're going to want to understand arr and see how that's building and then of course the rate of growth behind that is what gets them excited and and shows that there's demand for your product in the market the second, and this ties back to wanting to understand how your customer base is trended over time are your net dollar retention and gross dollar retention. So both of these metrics show investors and tell the story that around whether customers value your product, whether there's a real problem that you're solving, really adds some, some credibility that you understand the problem that you're able to effectively deliver it to customers. Another one, and this ties back to... You know, proving that you have a repeatable, scalable go-to-market model is go-to-market efficiency metrics. So they're going to want to dig into your customer acquisition costs. So your CAC ratio, your payback ratio around how long does it take for the investment that you're making to gain a new customer, how long it takes for you to to earn that back through their revenue, their LTV. And then lastly, uh, you know, this is, I think, showing that Proving to investors that you know how to refine your business and and scale it effectively as you grow are um, profitability and efficiency metrics. So, your gross margin, return on investment, return on cash that you spend, rule the of 40, these all really set you apart as a responsible team that understands the growth levers in your business model and that you know if they invest in you, where is best to spend your next dollar to continue building your revenue in the most efficient and effective way
1: possible. Great. And- my experience, you know, there's some discretion involved in calculating some of these things, but there's also a lot of ambiguity for people that maybe are hearing those terms for the first time. What would you recommend to someone who wants to calculate some of those ratios and just wants to familiarize themselves with the methodology? Talking with your existing investors is a really good way to understand too, you know,
0: how are our how are investors going to look at these ratios and what's the most credible way to calculate them. There are some ratios that there's ways to calculate them that that almost generate results that don't look believable. So one metric I think of that I've found probably has the most wide calculation methods is, is LTV to CAC, where you know you'll see some just use their churn ratio to to come up with an expected lifetime, and that can generate numbers that are like 15x LTV to CAC ratio, but it's just not believable. If you're if a your business that's been in business for five years, to calculate that on the assumption that your customers are going to stay with you for 15, 20 years just doesn't make sense. And it's hard to defend that in conversations with investors. So that's an example of knowing where to cap your metrics and tie them back to your business model is really important. And you kind of build up that rigor ahead of the process as you're putting your data together and you're able to ask these questions and talk with your team. What makes the most sense in in how we're, you know, the assumptions we're applying in, in showing these metrics.
1: Yeah. Really interesting. I mean, a lot of factors you mentioned that, that go beyond the dollars and cents from a relationship perspective. So, and from a timeline perspective, you know, how long did it take from the decision of, I think you you mentioned, you know, let's kick off the, the building the plan process um, Then you went to your you know, team and investors and talked through it, then reached out to partners and then moved forward. What did that look like from start to finish? You know, funds in the bank account? I think all in
0: all, the total timeline was probably about seven to eight months, three months to kind of do the planning. And then after that, there was, I'd say, one and a half to two month lead process, just getting buy in, putting kind of the plan together, the materials together, refining everything the story we wanted to tell to, to potential investors through our pitch deck and our data room. And then after that, you know, the actual speaking with investors, doing the prelim diligence to term sheet was probably another one and a half months. Once we signed a term sheet with Class Capital, who ended up leading our Series B, um, I think there was about a two-month process in terms of diligence and, and closing the transaction. So probably the last three months with a real sprint where although it took three months, it probably felt like more like six months of work when you, when you put all the hours spent on it together.
1: Thanks a lot. That was great. For folks that are listening and maybe looking down the barrel of, of a similar process coming up in, in their own role, what's one piece of advice you would leave with them that you take away from this whole experience? It's to really
0: be prepared once you get into... The actual conversations with investors and the diligence, the you know, the timelines are tight, the requests and the conversations move so quickly that having the material prepared and your story put together and and ensuring that you really understand your business really richly and deeply to answer those questions is, is so important. And so you know there's work to be done probably a year before you even decide raising to ensure you have the right people and and processes and systems in place to support a large fundraise so you know hiring and having a really good good team that can help you through the process and um, that you have confidence in the material they're going to put together, ensuring that your systems that you have in place are reliable and are generating good data that that are going to help to put reports together and be able to tell your story as a company and then really pulling that all together and understanding that story of what it is that makes your company valuable and why people should be excited about it and and the future and that's really what you know what investors do get excited about is being able to tell that story of you know here's where we've been Here's the success we're seeing, and here's how we're confident we can continue that going forward with additional capital and and as a finance leader, put numbers to that story that that really give it credibility and get investors confident to back up kind of that excitement of of being part of your company.
1: Just to wrap up then, how would you suggest someone you know maybe wanting to become a CFO or wanting to grow into a VP finance or maybe just someone earlier in their career? Why is mentorship been important to you, and and how would you uh, suggest people find the right mentor that can help them, you know, acquire these really important new skills
0: in a SaaS company or you know any fast growing startup? Things move so quickly that there isn't always the time to, you know, make mistakes and learn from them. So having a mentor who's been there and done that and can say, when I was faced with this, I tried A, B, and C and found that A worked most of the time, but in your case. You might want to try B because of your business model.' That's, that's so important and so valuable to have. It you know enables you to move a lot quicker, not make costly mistakes. So um, it's so important. And then in terms of how to to get connected, you know there's the, typically, like through events is a good way to meet other, other finance leaders that you can network with and and make connections and bounce ideas off of. Through existing investors and board members, you know, again, they typically have other portfolio companies that would be further along in their growth story, or they have connections to other leaders from previous portfolio companies. So, in my case, that's uh, you know, through one of our board members, was able to to be connected with the mentor who I meet with meet with once a month, and um, yeah, he's been extremely valuable and you know, really helped me in my career development.
1: Safe to say there was a celebration when the transaction closed. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah,
0: that was. Um, and interestingly enough, because it was, you know, right through COVID that we did this raise too, that we met in Toronto where class is based and where Coconut has an office and and part of our executive team lives there too. That was the first time we, we'd gathered as an executive team since before the pandemic. So it was kind of you know, almost two years in the making. So yeah, it was great. And um, yeah, a lot of, a lot of celebrations and, and good times were enjoyed for sure.
1: Awesome. Thanks a lot, Matt. This was great. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks again for having me. Each new round of raising capital is different. Raising a Series B round differs from a Series A in that you have to demonstrate you've refined your operations and built a repeatable, scalable go-to-market process. You need to have the data infrastructure in place to track and share your key metrics, especially around CAC, churn, and LTV. Finally, you have to demonstrate that there's a really large addressable market that you're going after. I really agree with Matt's advice about tapping into your company's current investors to help you get set up for funding success in your next round. These investors likely know who the right Series B investors are to target, and they can share the experiences of other portfolio companies who have gone through that process before. When you do start fielding offers from new VCs, the numbers and figures are important in your partnership decision, but so is the experience of the team on the other side. I completely agree with Matt that you need to believe you can work with your new investors through the ups, but most importantly, through the more challenging times. Thanks again, Matt, for joining us in Retained Learnings and sharing your finance experience. Thank you for listening to this episode of Retained Learnings. We want to reach as many Canadian finance professionals as possible. So if you have two minutes to spare, we'd love for you to rate and review the new show. Sharing on social media helps too. And you can tag at Flowcard. I'm Rob Kazam. And until next time, take care.